Good afternoon, ladies. My name is Lusanda Lamini, the founder of Women of Reverence. What a privilege and honor for me to have you um, with us through the screen today. Um, you are watching from your lounge, maybe you're watching from your kitchen while preparing something um, to eat for your kiddies. But wherever you're watching from, I just want to welcome you and say thank you for joining us. I've been given uh, the privilege and the honor to speak um, on as women of reverence, we are called to trust God. Wow, trust. How can we define trust? Trust is a firm belief in the reliability, truth, or ability of someone and something. When I was preparing for this and thinking and mulling it over, speaking to the Holy Spirit, trying to find out what He wants us um, to hear from Him today, I was reminded of my personal story or my personal journey with the Holy Spirit. You see, I got saved in 2006. I was pregnant with my 14-year-old. Um, well, she's 14 now. Then she was not 14. And I was pregnant for the second time out of wedlock with a different man. And I was staying with this man because he had proposed to me and we were planning to get married, preparing everything. He had gone as far as to speak to my uncle, my dad's brother, and he has spoken to my two brothers and me about his intentions. So what was left was for him to send the cows um, my uncle's way uh, and my brother's way, but he decided to marry someone else. He left me for another um, lady, I'm sure it's a beautiful lady, left me for another lady pregnant with our now 14 year old. I was so, so miserable. I was so angry. I was so bitter, but most importantly, I was so disappointed in myself. How could you, Lusanda, again, have another child out of wedlock? I was disappointed in him um, for lying to me for so many years. And I was disappointed in God in a way. Where are you, God? You know how we are. Even if we're not in his family, we haven't received him as Lord and Savior. When things go wrong, we tend to blame God. So I was also disappointed in God to say, where were you? Why did you allow this to happen again? And God met me pursued me. I gave my life over to him. And he asked me that, Lusanda, I want you to move out and find a place of your own and make a home out of it. Trust me, I'm going to restore you. For me, trust was not a word I liked. It was not a word I wanted to hear from anyone and God himself. Because when we can't trust people, it means we have a fear of disappointment. I was disappointed in, by one person that I was trusting in my life then. And when God said, trust me, I'm going to restore, I was like, nah, I don't think so. But I chose. I chose to obey. I chose to say, okay, let's do it. To be honest, I don't know if I trusted him at that point. I just chose to do it. What have I got to lose anyway? So I looked for a place of my own. And he said, leave everything that you have bought with this man. Take what is yours. 
I am going to restore you. I'm going to start you from bottom up. Humble yourself under my mighty hand, Lysanda, and I will lift you up when the time is right. And I did just that. I walked out with my two baby girls. My mom was there with me. We walked out with our bags because whatever I had in that house was with this man and I left everything behind. And I want us to, to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to us today. We're going to look at two stories that are in the Bible that will teach us on how to trust God, that will encourage us to trust God. And it's one of the ladies is Hagar. We find her in Genesis chapter 16. Who is Hagar? Hagar was a slave to Sarai and Abraham. And Hagar was a young girl who was owned by Abraham and Sarai. Most importantly, was owned by Sarai. She was not staying with her natural family. She was staying in Sarai and Abraham's um, homestead or household. She was owned by Sarai. She didn't have any choices or decisions to make for herself. She was not given that privilege because she was a slave. Let us read from our Bible. If you've got your Bible today, um, I'm going to read from Christian Standard Bible Version and we're going to read from Genesis chapter 16 from verse 6 to 13. So let's read. Abraham replied to Sarai, here your slave is in your hands. Do whatever you want with her. Then Sarai mistreated her so much that she ran away from her. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. He said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, underline that point. Where have you come from and where are you going? She replied, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, go back to your mistress and submit to her authority underline that point. The angel of the Lord said to her, I will greatly multiply your offspring and there will be too many to count. The angel of the Lord said to her, you have conceived and will have a son. You will name him Ishmael. For the Lord has heard your cry of affliction, underline. This man will be like a wild donkey. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand will be against him. He will settle near all the relatives, all his relatives. So she named the Lord who spoke to her, you are El Roy. For she said, in this place, have I actually seen one, the one who sees me? Friends, what a powerful scripture. You can see here that Haggai had ran, run away um, from the homestead that Abraham and Sarai owned. There was a, a relationship breakdown, just like my story, but all this relationship breakdown, Hagar felt it was permanent, like a mine was permanent. And she ran away to the wilderness, wilderness next to the spring of Shur. But when she ran away, the Lord sent his angel. Some commentary says it was the Lord himself. But the Lord sent his angel and called Haggai by name from verse, we're going to focus now on verse 6 to 9. 
The angel of the Lord called Hagar by name, but also called her by her title and said, slave of Sarai. Looking at that, I'm just wanting to encourage you that friends, when we are in a place of despair, in a place of dryness in the wilderness, when there's relationship breakdowns, whether it's a relationship with a husband or a relationship with a parent, a daughter, a friend, a sister in Christ, even a pastor, our God sees us. Our God pursues us as individuals because God called her by name and said, Hagar, so God is even calling you by name, wherever you're watching from. It's saying, Lusanda, Colette, Shannon, Josephine, Tando. He's calling you by name, but he's also giving you a title. He's saying, my daughter or daughter of the king. You see, the slaves those days, they didn't have a say. They were owned by their mistress. Same like us. When we accept the Lord Jesus as our Lord and Savior, when we call him Lord, when we call him King of our lives, we are basically saying, you own us. You rule and reign over our lives. We commit to live under a surrendered life of the kingdom of God. So Sarai was, I'm sorry, Hagar was being reminded that you are owned by Sarai. So the next instruction that the that angel of the Lord gives to Hagar, still between six, verse 6 and 9, the angel of the Lord then instructs Hagar to go back to Sarai. And he says this, be submitted under her authority. Like Hagar, we are instructed to be submitted under the authority of Jesus. We are mandated and supposed to be submitted and surrendered under the authority of Jesus based on our Bible. That is our blueprint. God is instructing us to go back to our first love, who is Jesus. And who is Jesus today to us? The Word of God. He's alive in the Word. From Genesis to Revelation, that is Jesus in flesh. The Bible tells us in John that he was the word and the word became flesh. So when we want to know what is our instruction, where are we supposed to be submitted to and under whose authority, we just need to go back to the Bible. We just need to trust the word of God. If we choose today to live the surrendered life like Hagar, we just need to go to the word. So when we talk about we are called to trust God, friends, we are called to live a surrendered life. So I want to encourage you today that go back and read the word. Surrender your life to Jesus. Be under his instruction. Be submitted to his word and under his authority. The next story I would love to look at, it's in Luke chapter 1, verse 1 to 7. And again, I will read from the Bible. I love reading from the Bible. Then I don't say my own words because I'm known to talk a lot. So I want 
to read the word of God to you so that you know it's not me. It's Jesus himself speaking. Let's look at Luke chapter 5 from verse 1 to 7. As the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word, he was standing by Lake Gennesaret. He saw two boats at the edge of the lake. The fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats which belonged to Simon and asked him to put out a little from the land. Then he sat down and was teaching the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Master, Simon replied, we've worked hard all night long and caught nothing. But if you say so, I will let down the nets. I want you to underline that verse five. When they did this, they caught a great number of fish and their nets began to tear. So they signaled to their partners in the, in the other boat to come and help them. They came and filled both boats to so full that they began to sink. Friends, when we trust God and live a surrendered life, we get to experience the supernatural. This scripture we just read just teaches us just that. When we look at um, verse 5, Peter had basically, and his friends, um, fished the whole night. They had given up and they were washing their nets ready to go home. And Jesus saw them. They had reached a point of emptiness, maybe of stress, of being overwhelmed, of worry. And Jesus saw them and came to them. And he just came and stepped on Peter's boat or Simon's boat, like scripture says. And Simon didn't fight him because he was empty. He had reached a point of no return. He felt maybe useless. He felt fearful. What am I going to do or say to my family that I can't bring fruit today? But he allowed God to preach on his emptiness. He allowed God to speak the word on his empty boat. That's exactly what Jesus wants us to do. Is that when we feel so overwhelmed with life, when we feel what can we do, things are out of control, we allow the word of God to speak life into us. We allow Jesus to come into our boat, which is the heart, and speak his word. And after that, Jesus instructed Peter and said, now cast your net into the deep ends of the sea. So which means uh, uh, Jesus was saying, trust me. Trust me that you will catch something because you've allowed my word to wash over you. You've allowed my word to change your perspective. You've allowed my word to, to open your eyes. But Peter, because he was human, he said, Lord, we've caught this. We've tried this the whole night. We've fished the whole night. He was trying to wrestle with God, with his talent, with his gifting, with his skill. But again, he chose to trust. 
that said, if you say so, I will cast my net, your will. And he casted the net. Because God, when we allow his word to, to shift how we see things, we surrender under him, we live the surrendered life, we get to then experience the abundance and the supernatural of God. His faithfulness, his goodness. They got so many fish that their nets were breaking. I don't know. I think Simon Peter is just like me. When I'm excited and God has come through for me, I run out of words. And believe you me, I don't run out of words normally. But God is that God who just blesses us exceedingly, abundantly, beyond our own imagination. Like Ephesians 3.20 tells us. And he just signaled to his friends because he had no words. So friends, I want to encourage you to trust God and live a surrendered life so that you can experience a supernatural, abundant life today. Just to close off my story, to show you when you trust God. God found me a place of my own. Both my neighbors in that complex, we had the same house, same rooms. They were paying 3,000 more than me. I was paying less and it was even a bigger space than where I was staying with my boyfriend. God restored me. God showed his goodness. So trust him. Thank you, ladies. May you be blessed. Can I please pray for us uh, today? Lord Jesus, we thank you for reminding us through these two stories that you are a God that we can trust that whether we have a choice in a situation or we don't, that you see us, you are God Elroy, but you want to come and restore us in any situation so that we can experience an abundant and a supernatural lifestyle. So Father, even right now, as the ladies choose to trust you, as the ladies choose to live the surrendered life with you, may you bless them may they live an, a life of the supernatural in jesus name i ask amen the crimson cord the throng swells and swirls around and within my shame like a thick choking fog every sin every expectation that i was not able to meet Overall, this sense that I have never been good enough and never will be. I deserve to eat the dirt that I have been pushed into. They don't know that the accusations that they hurl at me are drowned out by the accusations I level at myself. And this man they call Saviour crouches down and draws a line in the sand. And then he rises to his feet and with this question reaches down into the miry clay to pull me out. Who is there left to accuse you, woman? And that question reverberates across generations and generations. The crimson cord of sin and accusation that have run like a strand in the DNA of woman, swelling and swirling around and within as if apples and lies have been our staple diet. And so...
The crimson cord once my sin is now the very thing that binds me to freedom. I see now the throng as a hissing snake, ruinous in its deceit. Woman, you, he hisses and splatters. Anything he can get me to believe that will stop me from seeing that crimson cord that runs from generation to generation until it ties us to that one simple truth. We were made in love, by love, for love. By the act of creating woman, God did something powerful and beautiful and unique. Within the feminine identity rests a specific and glorious reflection of God himself. And as we start to see that crimson cord as the answer to the question, who is there left to accuse you, woman? Our tears fall in a cascade on his feet and our hair falls forward to dry them. We take everything we have, the very best of ourselves, and pour it like essence at his feet. And finally, we ask ourselves, who is there left to accuse you, woman?